Welcome to 120 Outdoors, where we talk about how to enjoy the outdoor opportunities we all have close to home. If you love all things outdoors, this podcast is for you to get out and get more out of it. Hi, my name is Chris DiPaolo. And I'm Don Klaus. And today we're, we're here to share a few things we've learned here recently about some things you might want to not get into in, in our outdoors. What we have in our area this time of year is a, a concern of uh, ticks. Ticks are a, a part of life. They're a part of the outdoors. Uh, they're a part we don't like to encounter if we don't have to. And, uh, and they can be a big problem for us, for humans, for pets. For pets, yeah. Yep. And uh, you know, Don, I've had some issues with ticks over the years. Um, I've had two occasions where I actually had to go to the doctor um, and had to have an uh, antibiotic um, follow-up. I had to take for, for a number of days. Thank God I don't have Lyme disease or an infection from the tick bites. But I know we've heard from a few of our listeners that they've had issues with ticks where they live. And they wanted us to get an expert to come on and talk about ticks and what we can do to stay safe and keep our family safe and our pets. And uh, we do have a, a special guest today. His name is uh, Colton Masters. He's the Director of Environmental Health, uh, Mahoning County Public Health. Um, he's the tick expert in our area. So a lot of what he's going to talk about, while he may be from Ohio, um, it does pertain to basically all of our listeners in the Great Lakes states and in and around the Great Lakes. I, I think it goes beyond that. Yeah. The yeah. Ticks are a widespread uh, problem. Yeah. Um, and and Lyme disease, I don't have to tell you, that's scary. I've... I've uh, talk to people that have encountered that and that's a long-term and significant piece of misery that you definitely want to avoid if you can. Boy, that's the truth. That's the truth. And I know this year in particular, um, I've had issues with ticks. I mean, it's um, today she didn't, my dog didn't have any ticks on her because I walk her almost every day in a park. And there were a number of days where she had ticks on her, as I, I know I've been telling you right along. And then I've had ticks on me th- t- this year twice. They weren't burrowed in on me or anything, but I did find them crawling on my clothes or on my forearm or whatever, um, which is a little scary, but uh, thank God they were not, um, didn't bite me or anything at this point. So, um, and we heard some from some of our listeners that wanted to hear more about ticks. So I think it's appropriate, especially this time of year. Oh, absolutely. Uh, yeah. That's a, that's a, that's a piece of uh, a problem that you, you don't want any part of. It's like poison ivy or mosquitoes only worse yeah uh, way worse yeah so i think you you folks will enjoy the show we'll get to that in a second but we do have uh some good news for you yeah another thing we hope you'll enjoy yes uh, uh, we've done some learning uh in in our process of podcasting and and some of that learning has been uh, learning what we're doing wrong and uh, one of the things that we we've been able to improve upon is our our audio and uh with that, um, we've learned that uh, it takes a few more pieces of equipment than we had, which we have. Yeah. Well, we spent some money, folks, is what Don's trying to say. We spent some money. Yeah, that's kind of it. On, on, yeah, on some good audio equipment. And uh, Don did a lot of research on some audio equipment. We got some help from a, from a third party um, helping us find some audio equipment that we could use. So we're hoping that the podcasts moving forward are going to be easy listening for you and, and entertaining not uh, we have to fight with it to listen and I, and I did we did hear from a lot of you and 
Uh, that's why we've made the changes. So. Yeah, and uh, we have them, and we're using them. So, so with that, let's get to the show. Let's get to the ticks. Our next guest on 120 Outdoors podcast is Colton Masters, and Colton is a director of environmental health with the Mahoney County Public Health. Colton, welcome to today's show. Oh, thank you for having me. And, you know, the reason we wanted you on the show, and I mentioned this to you when we talked a couple weeks ago, was we've had a lot of questions about ticks and issues with ticks that we we seem to have. Everybody that enjoys the outdoors, we're constantly um, checking for ticks and having issues with them. And that's why we wanted to bring you on the show today to give us a little more information on what we can do to prevent tick bites and give us a little background on what exactly has happened with ticks. Why are there so many ticks? What's going on here? Is there something um, that we're not aware of? Okay. Well, um, first off, you bring up a good point. People uh, are very concerned about ticks this time of year. People are spending more time outside. People are doing outdoor activities, hiking, fishing, things like that. Uh, but something I do want to get across is that these ticks can be an issue essentially year round. So some of the things we're going to talk about here are good to keep in mind throughout even the winter months um, to make sure that uh, we keep people as protected and healthy as possible. Now, the reason we're seeing essentially this uptick in ticks um, lately is there are a lot of different factors that go into it, um, not the least of which is our you know slowly changing climate. Um, as we have milder winters, we are essentially creating the optimum conditions for ticks that were never in this area to sort of start migrating and moving in here. Uh, something else that's lending um, to the high tick population is also the uh, traveling that most people like to do. Uh, because we live in a society where you can fly to another part of the world or you can drive across the country and then go hiking in, say, Colorado, and then drive back home. If you were to pick up a tick in one of those faraway areas and come back home and not notice it's still attached to you, when that tick falls off here in Ohio, it's going to stay where it's at. It's not running back to Colorado. It's not even dying off here. It is surviving, and then depending on the life stage of it, it could be laying eggs here. It could be molting and changing into its next form. But that's how ticks essentially that we're never in this area start to get in this area. Hmm. Uh, and we're not, yeah, and we're not doing it any favors by, you know, what we're, how we have created a landscape for them. We are essentially terraforming um, what was dense forest, what were, you know, uh, places where there were natural predators in the area for ticks we're transforming that essentially into things like your homes, your housing communities. Mm -hmm. um, once you create that optimum location for ticks, that's where they're going to be. Um, we've created areas where uh, uh, think of a wood line along a, between a tree and a, and a farm field, that grassy buildup right in between there creates the optimal location for a tick to be. Anywhere where you have the two changing landscapes and where you have unkept or high brush or weeds, that provides security for the tick because it's, you know, it's covered, it's brush, it keeps it well hidden, and it also provides an optimal place where it can reach out those two front legs and grab a hold of anyone passing by. Because it's not just humans we're talking about here, it's things like wildlife, it's deer, it's dogs, um, coyotes, any of these things can walk by this area and pick up these ticks. 
Interesting. That's exactly where I'm getting uh, the ticks on on my dog and myself is in that that transition area that you just mentioned there, um, in the grassy areas. So that's interesting too. Um, now you mentioned something. I'm kind of getting off track here a little bit. You mentioned something about the natural predators for ticks. What 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 would be a predator for a tick? Are we talking well, birds? I mean, would that be uh, something? Uh, some species of birds can eat ticks. Um, any species of bird that would eat most insects or things like that can eat a tick. But a lot of what will kill them are uh, much smaller things, things like uh, mites, things like okay. uh, there are fungi out there that actually can kill ticks. Okay. And all of those things are actually currently being studied and looked into as forms of sort of a natural control for ticks in the area because they're becoming such an issue for us. Now, do you think the use of pesticides over the years may have contributed to some of the, the tick populations, you know, um, the Buma tick populations, maybe too many pesticides, maybe we were killing those mites and that, that fungi you were talking about? Well, it's, it's certainly a possibility. Um, there's no denying that uh, some ticks have built up like a pesticide resistance. Okay, so mm -hmm. um, that has actually been tested. And while a tick is not actually an, a true insect, it's actually an arachnid. But like any insect, or in this case, potentially spiders, would be concerned, they can build up a tolerance to things over time, much in the same way humans build up a tolerance to antibiotics. Okay. And so that's allowing for, that's making it a little more difficult at times to try to actually treat and control these things. Interesting. Okay, now how about um, locally here, as far as in Mahoney County, and uh, many of our listeners, as you know, are from the Great Lakes states, but... Um, we're going to talk locally here for this one question. As far as um, where are some of the hotspots here in Mahoning County? I, I'm sure it's the park, the park system, and I'm not picking on any of the metro parks, right. but I'm sure those are all probably probably tick areas. Is there any, mm -hmm. uh, any other area that we should be aware of in Mahoning County? Well, um, and this would sort of go for the entire country because we can't really narrow down exactly where within the county it's going to be the hardest hit. Mm -hmm. Now, easily uh, or obviously like... Uh, the inner city areas are going to have less ticks. Mm -hmm. There's less shelter. You come into contact with less wild animals, things like that. But the hotbeds for where these ticks are really going to be, um, think of anywhere where both humans and animals travel frequently. That's why you see things like the park area. Okay. But it could also be things like an unkept baseball field. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I'm thinking about where I grew up, uh, kind of rural Ohio, there were some baseball fields that really were just not kept up in, but we would still go out there and, you know, hit the ball around and run through the grass and all this stuff. Those can be prime locations for uh, ticks to sort of hang out there. Hmm. I never thought of that. Yeah, that's all. All I can see that really it makes sense. Yeah, uh, you want to know one of the most likely places you're going to find a deer or find a tick is actually along a deer trail. You lead through a deer trail that leads through, say, a pipeline mm -hmm. or a high grass area. If you're mm -hmm. following that deer trail, that's where you're actually likely to find ticks. Because, again, once they once the tick has its blood meal, once it's fed for the first time, it's going to drop off of that host. And it's not leaving that area. It's e Depending on its life stage, it's either going to molt and grow or it's going to lay its eggs there. And those eggs are going to hatch and then be looking for a host the following year. Wow. So, okay. That, that's why I'm looking for anywhere where animals frequent. Okay. 
That's a great point because I'm always following those deer trails. I know you and, mm-hmm. and your family are big uh, bow hunters too. Yeah. And uh, yeah, that, I've never thought about that, but I, I do pick up some ticks there when I'm following, you know, looking scout, doing some scouting um, yep. early season here. I can't, I can't tell you the number of ticks I pulled off my pant legs after coming out of the woods, just following a deer trail. Wow. That's crazy. So one of the other questions I got for you too, just, um, you know, off the top of my head here, what are some of the health, health risks with ticks? I mean, we, we hear about Lyme disease, but are there other things we should be concerned about? I know Lyme disease is bad enough, but are there other <laughs> things we should be concerned with, with ticks? Oh yeah. There are actually a, uh, whole list of other d- tick-borne diseases, um, and not to scare anybody into anything, but just to let people know and try to raise awareness. You have things like tularemia, Rocky Mountain Spotted Fever, which despite its name is also still found here in Ohio. You wow. have, and I'm really going to try to pronounce this right, uh, ehrlich- ehrlichiosis, which is essentially a, uh, a bacterial infection that can come from the tick bite. And that's just a, to name a very small, minuscule few, few of uh, the tick-borne diseases out there. And these diseases are also specific to the kind of tick that bite you. Okay. Wow. So just because, like the black-legged tick, mm-hmm. okay, it can transmit Lyme disease. But the uh, Lone Star tick is not known to transfer Lyme disease. You can think of each of these different kinds of ticks much in the same way. Um, that's, that's also why it's important. If you get one on you, take a picture of where it latched on and try to identify or any distinguishing marks of the kind of tick it is. Because if you, you know, get down the road and you start to think you have some kind of an infection or some kind of a problem with these ticks, or it caused a medical issue of some kind, you need to be able to show your doctor or show an expert this tick so they can try to narrow down what it is you could have that's causing the problem. Okay, that uh, another question now. So you mentioned uh, the different ticks that are in our area here. Uh, is there just a certain tick, like a deer tick, that carries Lyme disease, or do all those ticks that you mentioned, the two or three different types, are they all capable of carrying Lyme disease? No, it's just the black-legged tick that carries the Lyme black disease. Le- okay, and how about you mentioned yes. the Lone Star tick. What does that carry? Does that, does that carry Rocky Mountain spotted fever? Uh, the Lone Star tick will uh, carry... The that one I tried to pronounce, okay. Ehrlichiosis. Okay. okay. Um, yeah, don't hold me to that pronunciation, but it's a uh, it's a difficult one for me. Uh, that's what it's primarily responsible for. Okay. Uh, but then you also have like I mentioned, Rocky Mountain spotted fever. That's actually the dog tick that okay. carries that. That's what I was gonna. Okay, so that comes from the dog tick. Okay. Yeah, and so does uh, tularemia. Wow. Holy smoke. And it's important to make the difference between a dog tick and a deer tick. A uh, deer tick is a black-legged tick. It's just it's two names for the same thing. Mm-hmm. And the dog tick is actually a separate uh, species of tick all in, all together. I know some people tend to use them all interchangeably, but they're really not the same one. Okay, and the dog tick is bigger, right? I mean, if I remember yes. right. Yes. Okay, that's what yes, I thought. Yes, the dog tick will be a little bigger. Okay, that's what I thought. They were a little bigger in size. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, but I tell people there it's really easy to get online and find the distinguishing marks of each uh, species. And if you're having trouble with that, you can always call an expert or talk to your local health department, something like that. 
no matter what part of the country you're in, and they should be able to at least look at it and give you an idea of what it is. Um, and from that point on, you could then see what it could have potentially been carrying. Wow. Okay. So let, let's talk a little bit about some uh, preventative measures we could take as, as mm-hmm. we go out in the outdoors. Uh, what, what can we do? What do you recommend we do? Okay. Uh, real simple things. I'll tell you essentially the same thing I do or try to do when I go out into the woods. Mm-hmm. Um, first off, wear light-colored clothing if you can. Makes it easier to spot those little uh, black nymphs and stuff as they start walking up your clothes. Um, something else you can do, uh, check yourself regularly. After you come out of the woods, it's best to go ahead and take a shower. Uh, not to necessarily wash or clean them off of you because they're not going to come off that easy, but that gives you an opportunity to really check yourself over and be good to have a good friend nearby that can check your back and the back of your head and stuff as well. Um, there are uh, deterrents that you can buy, things like DEET or there are permethrins that you can spray uh but my warning about that is just make sure you use whichever one you buy as it's intended from the label Mm -hmm. Uh, because some of those are direct skin contact some of them say do not put this on the skin it'll cause a negative reaction you have to put it on clothes so whatever it is you go out there and buy i don't know if one works any better than all the others but that's something you can use uh, and something relatively new that I just saw not too long ago was someone wrapping their uh, the bottom of their pants in like a uh, duct tape uh, with a sticky side facing out. And uh, they claimed that that caught uh, the ticks as they sort of started climbing up their pant leg. Uh, I have not done that, but I did recently see that being used. So that's something to just put out there if you want to try. Interesting. Yeah, I never, I never thought of that. Never yeah, it never crossed my mind either. Yeah, that's interesting. Now, I have used some of the, the product um, that you mentioned there. And the one product that I'm using, and I won't mention the name of it, but it is um, just for your um, your clothes. So I'll spray it on mm-hmm. my boots and on my pant legs. And it, you know, it really does seem to work, mm-hmm. uh, for me at least. So um, I'm not telling our listeners to go out and buy a bunch <laughs> of this stuff. But it, that one there, and I, I don't, like I said, I don't want to mention the name, but it does seem to work, uh, at least for mm-hmm. me. So let, let's yeah. let, go ahead. I'm sorry. Oh, no, I was going to say, yeah, I also I use uh, I use one or the other of those products. I keep them in my truck at all times. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, just so that way, if I'm going out to a park system, even if I'm not hunting, if I'm just going to a property that's uh, got a lot of high grass and weeds around it or brush in the back, I'm spraying that stuff on me just in case. Yeah, that's a good point. Good point. Now, let's say you, you do. Unfortunately, let's say you get home and you're you're you notice that you have a tick stuck to you. Um, is there, you don't have to panic, correct? What, what should we do if there's a tick stuck on your, let's say on your forearm, what should you do? Do you remove the tick? Okay. Um, well, you say don't panic. That's a very important thing to note. Uh, but I, you know, I am, I would be considered, you know, a relatively close to an expert in this field. And mm-hmm. I still, when I get a tick embedded on me, you still have those really, uh, scary thoughts at first Mm -hmm. and think about it. But the truth is, yeah, remain calm. You know, it's not the end of the world. What you want to do is take a pair of tweezers, a fine tip tweezers, get down at the very base of the head and pull straight up. Do not twist the tick. You're going to snap the head off uh, underneath there. And that's going to cause more of an issue for you. Now, if it's not a, and you want to get that removed as quick as possible. Okay. You don't want to leave it there. You want that 
tick taken off of you because the longer it's attached to you, the higher likelihood that if it has a disease of some kind, it can transmit it to you. Now, we've spent a lot of time talking about Lyme disease, so let's just use that as an example. Uh, most ticks will have to be actually attached to you for about 24 to 36 hours to transmit Lyme disease to you. Wow. Now, that so that means that, you know, if you see this tick on your arm and you go, you know what, I know that hasn't been there for 24 hours, get it off there. You know, mm-hmm. it's, it's okay. You still should take note of it. Still, you know, take pictures or whatever you need to do to mark where it was and what kind of tick it was. But there's not need for some kind of panic or concern on that case. Now, more than often when I find ticks, because, again, I'm taking those precautions, I'm always looking for them, I'm finding them just crawling on me. Mm -hmm. And the easiest thing to do with that, again, got to not panic. Don't freak out about it. But you take a piece of uh, just clear tape. It doesn't have to be anything special as long as it's good and sticky. Stick it down on wherever the tick is climbing and pull it off, and it'll pull that tick right off with it. Interesting. That's only if it hasn't attached yet. That's not going to work if uh, if it's attached to you. Okay. Okay. Now let's say that I get the tick removed from my forearm, um, and it, I I don't believe it was been on me more than twenty four hours. Should I still call my family doctor to check in? Um, there's not really a need for that. Okay. Um, what you need to do is keep an eye out for any symptoms of whatever disease it could be carrying. Um, with Lyme disease, you want to look out for like sore joints. Uh, fatigue, muscle ache, uh, headache, uh, essentially general cold symptoms. And if you start to develop those in the next couple of weeks, you would call your physician. Okay. Uh, or if something seems out of the ordinary or wrong, you can then call them and let them know, hey, I was bitten by this tick on this area. What do I need to be concerned about? Okay. Um, now, the next question here, and I, I know we kind of talked on, about this a little earlier, um, I, I've been hearing about a possible vaccine for Lyme mm-hmm. disease, and I know they had one years ago, then they took it off the market. Do you have any idea where we stand on that now? I know, we, of course, we're just coming through COVID, so I understand mm-hmm. the focus on that. Um, but do you know, is there any possibility of a vaccine in the future for this? Right now, well, I looked into it a little bit, and it turns out in 2002, the vaccine we did have was actually pulled from the market due to low demand. Okay, so um, they didn't have uh, enough people who wanted it to justify it. Um, Now, currently, they are working on vaccines. A number of different companies are working on vaccines, um, including Pfizer is one of them. Okay. Yeah, Pfizer, and there are a number of uh, other companies out there that are also trying to work towards the goal of this, uh, this vaccine as well. So I would anticipate one coming out you know, in the next uh, number of years going forward. Okay, very good. Um, this is just a, a on a side note, I guess I, I could uh, ask this question here about as far as pets go, because uh, I mentioned mm-hmm. to you earlier that my dog seems to be a tick magnet. Um, every time I take her for a walk, she had two on her this morning. Mm-hmm. Um, is there something we could do for our pets, our dogs and cats out there? Um, should they get a, I know they have a vaccine and she is, she did have the vaccine and she's on mm-hmm. some kind of, uh, she gets a vaccine every every year, I think, for that, for mm-hmm. Lyme disease. Is that something we should do for our pets? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Um, well, as far as the Lyme disease uh, vaccine for a pet, uh, I'm not as familiar with that. Uh, however, uh, I am a big advocate for always treating your pet with a uh, 
some kind of a tick deterrent or uh, some kind of a medication that's put on the market mm -hmm. to help reduce or keep ticks from biting them. Um, I give my own dog that medication. It's like once every three months or something yeah, like that. Yeah. There are a number of different ones out there. Yeah. So I, I would advise doing that. Uh, that how most of those work is if a tick does bite them and starts ingesting their blood, that chemical that you put on them stays in the blood and then goes in and kills the tick. Okay. Um, so that's how a lot of them work. Okay. Now, something else you can do uh, depends on where your dog's frequently traveling. Like my dog stays in my backyard for the most part. I take her to a park or a reservoir every once in a while, but in my backyard, things that I do is uh, remove any brush or debris you know, what I've been talking about this whole time, make mm -hmm. sure you keep things like weeds cut and mowed down and you want to deter other animals from getting around there, not just your deer and your raccoons and stuff like that, but you also want to keep things like field mice away. Uh, field mice are actually one of the very first uh, hosts for ticks when they're after their eggs are hatched. Uh, so if you're encouraging areas in your yard where mice are going to live, where they're going to breed, uh, where they can stay year round, that's going to increase your chances of having a tick population start booming in your yard. Um, there are a few uh, chemicals and things like that that you can put uh, out to help kill ticks if they're in your yard. Uh, I know you and I had talked previously a little bit about this, but there are permethrins uh, that can be applied on a commercial level, mm -hmm. by a commercial pesticide applicator. Mm-hmm. Uh, as far as stuff that you can just go out to, say, you know, the local store and buy, mm -hmm. I'm not as familiar with any of that kind of stuff. Most of this stuff is highly specialized and needs to be applied with some, uh, by someone who has a lot of training for it. But you can apply that to things like your weeds and grasses as well. Uh, but again, uh, depending on the different kinds of permethrins out there, it may or may not be a right fit for you with uh, pets around. Okay. Yeah, um, actually... Uh, I'll walk you through just a real brief um, life stage of the tick. Uh, try to help give you and all of the listeners out there a little bit of a better understanding of, you know, what we're talking about and how we have to look at this whole life cycle in order for control stages. Yeah, please do. Uh, okay, so the eggs normally hatch in the spring. Okay, the uh, larvae then sort of crawl around for a while looking for a small host. These larvae are not hooking up with your deer, your people, your dogs. These larvae are looking for things like field mice, um, chipmunks, squirrels, small mammals of some kind, okay? And they will latch onto them. They'll feed until they have a full blood meal, um, normally two to three days, and then they're going to fall off. And whenever they fall off of that host, they're going to lay exactly wherever they're at. And they're not going to crawl you know, 30, 40 yards away, they're going to essentially stay where they're at. Hopefully it's a sheltered area for them. And then they're going to spend the fall and the winter essentially molting and changing into the nymph stage of their life. This nymph stage is the first one where it starts actually going after humans or deer or dogs. It's looking for a larger animal. Uh, these nymphs are what you're commonly going to come out of the woods walking with uh, on your pant legs and stuff like that. They're very small. They're hard to detect and hard to see. That's why that light color clothing is important. Um, and then, uh, so they'll feed in the spring as a nymph. 
uh, in the spring or summer, and then they start molting again and change into an adult by the fall. Now, once they're an adult, they have to look for another blood meal in order to be able to mate and lay their eggs. So they're again looking for another host. And they can change hosts. It doesn't have to be the same one. Just because a tick bit a deer as a nymph doesn't mean it can't bite a human as an adult. Okay? Okay. And that's... uh, and then it lays its eggs that overwinter, and then they hatch again in the spring, and we start this whole life cycle back over again. Now, as a fun little side note, the nymphal stage of a tick is actually the one where you're most likely to get a disease transferred to you. And that's because they're so small, they're harder to detect. Okay. So when you're looking your body over, everybody looks for that big inflated you know, circle that you associate with a tick. Mm-hmm. But if you get in this nymphal stage, it's going to take, you know, two or three days before they really start to balloon up to that large. Uh, So what you're wanting to do is sort of look for these things. They essentially would be, I would compare them to a a little bit smaller than a mosquito, but they're normally black and are walking all around. Hmm. Wow. Very interesting. I didn't realize uh, that at all. That's that's Mm -hmm. amazing. I didn't realize the life cycle. Like that. So yeah. it, it's, I could see what's happened now. Cause you're right. We haven't had the winters that we normally get in this area. Mm-hmm. And if you're not killing them in that early stage, you know, with a hard freeze or something, and no wonder we have an explosion every now and then. Right. In the spring of the year, I could see that. Mm-hmm. I know you mentioned you wanted to talk a little bit about some tick myths. Um, do you want to yeah. take us through some of that? Yeah. Um, First and foremost, the biggest myth I hear when people call me and say, hey, I've got a tick on me, How? what What do I do? Um, their first thing is, yeah, well, my cousin or my brother or whatever, somebody told me to light a match and put a lit match against it. That is the exact wrong thing to do. Um, don't do that because uh, we mentioned like the diseases, Lyme disease, for instance, is actually in the tick's saliva. That saliva acts as a numbing agent when it bites you and an anticoagulant. So it's keeping your blood from essentially clotting up while it drinks as much as it wants. And also, you can't feel it. But that disease is in that saliva in very small amounts. That's why it has to be attached to you for so long before it transmits that disease. If you go to light it on fire or touch it with something hot, it's no different than anything else. It's going to spit out. And so, yeah, it might detach, but it's spitting all of that saliva back into you. And that's actually going to increase your chance of uh, getting one of these tick-borne diseases. Okay. And I have heard okay. I have heard that myth there. I have heard yeah. that. Okay. Yeah. Uh, one other one um, is uh, – uh, it's kind of, uh, kind of uh, frequent. I hear this a lot – is uh, ticks are jumping on people or falling out of trees. Uh, That is just not true. Um, Ticks don't climb trees, and they don't jump. They can't fly. They can't get up to you except for you walking past and picking them up. Uh, But because they're so small, that's why people often think, oh, this must have jumped on me. You don't realize it started at your shoe and then just sort of climbed its way all the way up to your head. Wow. Um, I have heard heard that one, too. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, uh, one tick that, or one, uh, one that I heard recently that, uh, I hadn't heard previously was if you leave a tech or leave a tick, uh, with its head embedded in you, it will lay its eggs inside. And that is just not true. Um, 
It's not going to implant its eggs underneath you. As soon as it's done getting that blood meal, it wants to get off you and wants to jump down as quick as possible. Okay. I have heard okay. that one. I have heard that one too. Okay. I've heard and, that one uh, too. Those, those are just some of the most ones I really want to uh, kind of get across to people. Okay. Is, is there anything else that you think we could, we should uh, discuss here on the podcast before I let you go? Um, you know, sometimes I do get asked that question, you know, are there places that you just won't go? Are there things that mm-hmm. you want to avoid when you're walking through the woods? And the answer is essentially yes. If I'm taking my dog out uh, walking her at the uh, at a reservoir or a wooded park near me, mm-hmm. I will make sure to keep her away from that tall grass or that high grass. Uh, it's both for her benefit and for mine because if a tick gets on her, it doesn't mean it has to stay on her. Uh, that tick could latch onto her and then fall back off at my house and then get on me as well. But I want to avoid all of those tall grass areas. Whether or not I think a tick is in there, I'm avoiding them anyway. Hmm. So that's just something that, you know, I just want to keep people aware of. Avoid those kind of areas if you can. If you can't, just take the precautions we've talked about. It's, uh, you know, relatively simple to be able to do that kind of stuff. Hey, hey, Colton, before I let you go, I got one more question. You kind of um, jogged my memory there. You mentioned about the dog bringing the ticks into the house. So mm-hmm. let's say, and, and I've had this happen, uh, where I had my, my dog brings a tick on her, apparently, that's where it came from, and I find it crawling across the kitchen floor. Um, mm-hmm. How long will a tick live, let, let's say, in, in your home, uh, looking for a host? Is it two, three days, two, three weeks? I mean, obviously. Oh, no. It'll stay for months. Are you kidding me? Um, well, it, it'll survive the same inside as it would outside. And... Uh, tick depending on its life cycle can go for months without food it's just waiting on that meal to move up to the next stage of life is what it's sort of waiting on wow um so yeah uh something that could happen um is if the dog picks it up outside if the dog's not treated the tick feeds on the dog the dog brings it inside the tick is full so it falls off could fall off you know under the couch or in the carpet somewhere and then it's going to molt over time and change into that next stage of its life. And now it's, again, looking for a host, and now it's inside your home looking for one. Jeez. Yeah, because I've thought about that, too. I mean, I, I w- make sure I watch the dog every time I walk or I brush her out and everything else. But I've mm-hmm. often wondered if if, um, if they get in the house. I mean, obviously, they're not going to multiply. But that, that mm-hmm. one tick can do enough damage. Like you said, fall off the dog, then, then crawl on you. Yeah, uh, I've had them in my truck before. Wow. I didn't my truck realize. that I take my dog out with, and I'm pretty sure it came off of her. Mm-hmm. And then you just, you know, I say you got to remember not to panic, but you feel something small crawling up the back of your neck, and you realize, oh no, yeah, this is what this is. And so you've got to try to pull that off before it tries to bite you or get its head buried in you at all. Interesting. Well, well, yeah. very good, Colton. I don't want to take any more of your time. I appreciate <laughs> everything here and and your expertise. Um, this mm-hmm. great podcast. And, and once again, we don't want to scare our listeners. We want them to still get out and enjoy the outdoors. But if they follow the couple of the precautions that you mentioned in the earlier in the podcast, we should still mm-hmm. be able to get out there and enjoy the great outdoors, correct? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Again, I've been doing this for a, a decade now, and I still very much go out. I was out fishing this past weekend. Mm-hmm. I will still go out hiking. I will still go out fishing, taking my dog out places. I still go out hunting. It's just a matter of being aware of what this could be. It, I talk about things getting, you know, that 
the ticks being in your home, for instance, that's that can scare a lot of people if it's taken sort of out of context. So just be aware of what we're kind of talking about and that these are all just simple precautions to try to protect the public's health. It, it's our job to try to keep you as safe as possible by controlling these kind of factors. And, and that's really what we want to dive into with this podcast. Yeah, very good. Very good. Well, thank you again for your time, Colton. I, I appreciate it very much. Yep, anytime. Okay, thanks again. Okay, well, that was instructive. There's some things I did not know about ticks. Um, I, I've i always been a little bit afraid of them. I, I guess I, I'm still afraid of them a little bit, but uh, at least I know how to deal with it now. Well, the thing that was scary to me, and that's why I asked a question, Don, was about them being in the house, you know, because I, I really did find one crawling across the kitchen floor this spring. And honestly, you heard me ask the question. I thought it'd be a couple of days they'd live in the house. Well, you know, it's a more than a couple months they could live looking for a host. That was a little scary. Um, so I'm actually um, checking the dog even closer now before I bring her into the house after we go for a walk and myself, my boots and everything stay out in the garage. Um, I just don't want to bring them into the house and they get, you know, on the carpeting and the grandkids come over and play on the floor or something and, and, and they start crawling on the, one of the grandkids. You know, we, I don't need that. That's for sure. Hey, anything that wants to burrow into me and drink my blood yeah. scares me to death. And I figured, well, okay, that's what these things do. They, they're they're uh, yeah. blood-sucking blood monsters. Yeah, yeah. But the notion that they could chow down and then just camp out for however long waiting for the next... Uh, next host. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's a little scary. So, and the other thing too for me was, um, you know, I read the article about the mice and how they, they were found to be a big host. I had no idea that it was that significant. Uh, I know you and I talked about that before the show here today. Um, that was a little eye-opening there, to be honest with you. I just didn't think that the, the mice played such a big deal in this role in this. Yeah, I, I wouldn't have thought it either. Yeah. But when you think about it, We've seen this. They're always milling around the grass. Yeah. You know, yeah. they're, they're, they're there where the ticks are, I suppose. Well, they are. Yeah. They're right there on the ground, you know. And if there's a lot of mice, you know, the ticks have a lot of host, possible hosts right there. So, yeah. Very interesting. So, hopefully, you enjoyed the show. I know I, I did learn quite a bit more about, about ticks. And um, I know I definitely have to continue to do the routine that I'm doing. Yeah, and so, ho- hopefully you can be a little safer out there and avoid some potential grief in yeah, the future. that's for sure. That's for sure. Okay, Don, let's get to the next segment here. Uh, we did get some positive feedback from your, your rant section, so I'm going to let you uh, run with the ball here. Uh, so go right ahead. Okay, well, I don't like to always be a complainer, but I, I do have a complaint that stems from some of my inst- recent excursions out and about um, when I'm not out fishing or doing anything else. I, I like to keep moving, and I like to walk in a local park. It's close. It's handy. I enjoy it. And my park is super good about having um, garbage cans around, garbage cans and also recycling cans. Uh, I'm a big fan of, of having litter picked up and having the place shined up. I'm also a big believer in recycling. I think it's a good thing and makes sense. What doesn't make any sense to me is when you can't go for more than a minute without running into a garbage can, yet there's still garbage everywhere. You know, how this stuff doesn't find its way to a can, 
uh, it's mind-boggling. Now, the other part of that, though, bolded to the same uh, post uh, as the garbage cans are recycle bins. And they say, hey, put your recycling here. But, you know, as I go to, as I pick these things up and throw them in there, then they all look the same. It's like there's garbage in the recycling, recycling in the garbage. And it doesn't seem like it should be that hard. You know, garbage, recycling, put it where it belongs. Cans are there. You don't have to carry the stuff for five miles to get it to there. You're going to be on it in a minute. Put it in the can. So um, I'm sure our listeners aren't aren't part of that population. No, I'm sure they're not. But but they have to share... Uh, the woods with some of these folks and the rivers, right? Yeah, I'm sure everybody has seen it, and then yeah, I'm, I'm sure it's yeah. not not a not a confined to my park. It's it's confined. It's to, everywhere. It's everywhere. Yeah. yeah, it's everywhere. So that's that's my gripe. I, I'd like I like to see uh, see the place left like people found it, and that doesn't happen in the, in a lot of the places I go, and uh, it just tweaks my shorts a bit, <laughs> you know, when I see that. Very so, good. So that's my gripe. Okay, very good. I like it. <laughs> I, I think we could all try a little harder with that. How about it? Yeah, I think so. That's right. That's right. So that's all we have for today's show, folks. Hopefully you enjoyed it and learned something about uh, ticks and how to stay safe out there. Until next time, enjoy the great outdoors in your 120. <laughs>